Hello, welcome to the Double Double. It is nearing midnight on Thursday evening, and I'm Kelly Hogan, and joined as always by David Dixon. David, what's up? What's going on, Kelly? Just finished up watching Game Five of Bucks Raptors. It was kind of an ugly game, but we'll we'll get into it. Yeah, I mean Milwaukee just in this series jumped out to a quick 2-0 lead, and I mean, you didn't, but I was close to writing them off on our last podcast. And then they come out this week, and since the last time we spoke, take three in a row for Milwaukee, and it's the first time the Bucks have lost three games straight all season. I mean, they love me in Toronto, Kelly. They love me. I picked them before the playoffs to make it to the finals. When everyone was leaving, leaving them for dead, I, I stuck with them. Here's... When you think about game one, game one was the Brook Lopez game. He comes out, just dominates, right? And game two was like the game where everything went right for the Bucks with all their role guys. Ilya Sova was draining threes. Miritich was draining threes. That was that was probably as well as they could play as as the entire team. So Am I surprised that the Raptors have won three in a row? Yes. Obviously, it's surprising that when you have the two best teams, anyone wins three in a row. But tonight's game was made more sense because it was clear that they were so evenly matched. Yeah, and Milwaukee, they got out to a quick lead, and I was yeah. like, uh-oh. This is this was starting to look like the typical series where it's just going to go back and forth and whoever's home is going to win. And kind of that that's kind of been the – way the series has gone and then Toronto fought back and I mean Kawhi did what Kawhi has done all series and then Fred Van Vliet was he was special tonight 21 points seven three-pointers I I thought he was great Siakam picked up two early fouls but he was able to stay in and make an impact Marcus only had I think seven points but had a huge offensive rebound at the end of the game got fouled made made his free throw yeah and then Kyle Lowry there there had been an APB out for him prior to this series Hadn't really played well. You sent that APB out. Yeah, man. I was looking for him, and uh, he's he's definitely showed up, earning that money. And, I mean, the Raptors, they're one game away from, from a matchup with Golden State in the finals. Yeah, I mean, if you told me going into game five that Danny Green was going to have a goose egg and the, the Raptors would be relying on Van Vliet coming off the bench to, to score, I would have said that the Bucks were going to win the game easily, but this was the game we, you know, we've been talking all series and really all postseason about can the Raptors get any help? And tonight, Van Vliet showed up. He had he had a bunch of threes, and it was it was not just that he hit a bunch of threes; they were all really timely too. It was all at key moments of the game where he just stepped up and and knocked them down. And obviously, Kawhi is going to be Kawhi and and dominate on both ends of the floor. I want to talk about Marcus All for a second because that dude got key offensive rebounds late in the game, and he was playing really good defense as well. You know, blocking off the paint for for Giannis, playing playing good defense just all over the place all game. Yeah, he. I'm not comparing him to Draymond, but he does a lot of things that cannot be quantified in a box score. And I think for Draymond's sure. impact. Draymond's impact is felt in a very similar way but I want to kind of just shift gears and look at the Bucks for a second Giannis it's his first real test in the playoffs like the first time he's really had expectations placed upon him where you know he's the guy and he's I don't want to say expected to get to the finals 
but it certainly wouldn't be a surprise if they got there. And just looking at their supporting cast, Eric Bledsoe has really been hit or miss since he's been in Milwaukee in the playoffs. But Chris Middleton, he had, I think he had six points tonight. He is supposed to be the Bucks' second best player. He's up for a potential contract this summer, which some have speculated he could get somewhere near a max. Just what are your thoughts on Milwaukee and, and kind of Chris Middleton, his fit there and I, don't, I, I just don't feel comfortable with him being my second best player on a championship caliber team. Yeah, I I haven't been as down on, on Middleton as, as some other people because he's guarding Kawhi a lot on, on the defensive end, and he's making it at least difficult for Kawhi. Kawhi is, is hurt, but Kawhi hasn't been that efficient this series. He's been, you know, a lot of games where he's 10 for 24 or 15 for 31, and you know, making him take a lot of really tough shots and making Kawhi really work on offense. And then you mentioned Middleton. Okay, so Middleton's clearly using a lot of his energy on on, on defense, but he's still he's still rebounding the ball really well. And I think he had double digits in uh, in assists tonight as well. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's still impacting the game in a lot of different ways. So I'm not too down on him. The the one guy who I want to highlight is Malcolm Brogdon because he. He was hurt, and they've worked him back in, and he finally got got the start tonight. Besides just my admiration for for how this dude just always somehow finds a way to get to the rim, because because when you just look at him, he looks like he could be a banker at like J.P. Morgan or something, like just like <laughs> from from his body language and his demeanor and just his physique. But because he's not that fast, he's not that quick, he doesn't jump that high, but like he's always getting buckets at the rim. Like he's just he just gets by dudes and he somehow always ends up at the rim and I thought he played really well tonight. Bledsoe's just really streaky and it's almost better when that he when he misses shots because then he stops shooting. You know, it's like the Russell Westbrook factor gets in his head. It's like oh he made a couple mid range early and it's like oh now I'm the man and I'm gonna go get buckets. Yeah, I mean if you're the other team, you're almost praying Bledsoe makes his first couple shots because you know in the long run it's probably gonna work out in your favor. Yeah, like like you're open for a reason, Eric. <laughs> and Brogdon definitely has like that herky jerky old man's game that you know we've all played yeah. with a guy like that at the YMCA who just kind of knows exactly where he needs to be in the footwork that just you know kind of catches the defense off balance because he's definitely not one of the more athletic guys, but he always finds a way to you know get the ball up like to the basket in tough situations. So that's definitely impressive. I mean, Chris Middleton, he had. 10 points or excuse me 10 rebounds and 10 assists so he was the points short of a triple double but I, I just I just think Giannis I mean Brooke Brooke Lopez has shot it decently he's definitely been better than I would have thought prior to the season going to Milwaukee but I just think not that Giannis needs more help but he just needs some of these guys to be a little bit more consistent that that's what I would say I mean but so so when you look at at the Bucks and the way they're constructed they take so many three pointers because they're built around spacing the whole court with tons of really good shooters so that Yas can do his thing. And the Raptors strategy this this uh this series has been we're just gonna help off the shooters and double Giannis and make these guys hit shots. And so when you rely so much on on the threes and they don't go in, it's really hard for them for them to win because that's such a key part of their of their offense. So this is when people always talk about how three point shooting teams can't win championships. And I don't know if that's really true or not because eventually 
this style is going to start winning because everyone's going to be playing this style. But it's clear that that when you're basically your only offense is a catch and shoot three pointer for Miritich or Lopez or Middleton or Giannis drive and dunk or Giannis drive and draw a foul, it, you're you're just easy to stop on a, in a long series because you just become predictable. There's there's not a lot of variance and a, and a lot of motion in what they do. Toronto has put Kawhi on Giannis a good amount, and rather than you know. A series ago when they played the Celtics, they put the Celtics put Al Horford on him. So I guess theoretically the Raptors could put Ibaka or Gasol and just kind of sag off and and dare Giannis to shoot, although he's looked more comfortable in doing so of late. That's still kind of what you'd live and die with, Giannis taking jump shots. But by playing Kawhi on Giannis, now the help defenders are so much bigger and so much longer. I think that's really disrupting Giannis as he gets to the rim. Yeah, that's was that's definitely the the coaching adjustment of the series was when Nick Nurse said we're going to put Kawhi on on Giannis because as you said it it allows obviously the best on ball defender in, in the Eastern Conference to guard Giannis and then also as the the help is a lot bigger but it's also you're forcing then Giannis who is still a developing playmaker passing wise. He's thrown some really nice passes series, but he's also thrown some pretty bad ones too. That's still an area of the game that is probably still a B plus, A minus, and not an A, A plus. Uh, and you're forcing him to do that. You're just basically saying, hey, we're just going to make you do something that you're good at and not what you're great at. And like I critique Chris Middleton and all of this. Giannis is 24 years old. He's going to get better. So his yeah. teammates don't even necessarily have to get all that much better. I would just like for them to be a little more consistent, but... I mean, this is Giannis. It's really his first introduction to, I mean, playoff bat. Like, he made the playoffs last year, but, I mean, they lost the first they round. They weren't ready, yeah. M- right. Meaningful playoff basketball. And, you know, he's taken the opportunity and, and really run with it. I've been impressed with the way he's played. But this this is going back to the, to the six for game six. We're going to see Drake back on the sideline. Is yep. this series – Is are you writing this series is over? Do you think Toronto closes that out in game six, or do you think we're back – uh, with a game seven Monday in Milwaukee. I will never, as much as I love Toronto and the people love me, I, I just don't think it's over yet because the Bucks are still really good. Giannis is going to come ready to play. Giannis has proven this whole postseason that, that when he gets challenged, he rises to the occasion. And I fully expect Giannis to come out on, on Saturday night in game six and try to dominate the game. And I wouldn't say it's over because the Raptors still rely on you don't know where their secondary offense is going to come from. You know Kawhi is going to give you 30 to 40, but you don't know where that next 60 to 70 points is going to come from. I just feel like, and it's so cliche, but you say role players play better at home. When the crowd, the crowd in Toronto has been fantastic, and you can really feel the players like feed off of that energy. So I think in that game six environment, I know I picked Milwaukee before the series, but I... I just I really feel that Toronto's going to close them out, and then they'll have a little time to rest, and then they'll open up with two games at home against Golden State. That's how I'm feeling right now. Yeah, I'll, I'll give Toronto the advantage because they're home. So, so if I had to pick, I, I would pick them, and obviously got to got to show out for for the team that I picked to to make the finals <laughs> this this whole season. And but I wouldn't say that it's over. This is like if I had to pick the Raptors because they're home, but like I still think it's it's a toss up pick them game. All right. Do you have any thoughts? I mean, last time we talked, the Warriors were up 3-0 on Blazers, and I guess they they swept them. Close game in overtime 
earlier this week. Do you have any any final thoughts on them? Yeah. So the narrative since they have won this series, and it's grown exponentially in every time that they've won a game, is that somehow they don't need Kevin Durant. Or that that they could win a championship without him. And watching this these teams in the Eastern Conference, I don't think that it's true. I think that they could win, but it would be a it's probably a six or seven game series. They definitely need Durant to dominate and win the championship in convincing fashion the way that they have in, in previous years. I'm more wondering what, what you're thinking about this whole I, I was listening to Bill Simmons and Ryan Russillo today. It's really weird that last series when they were playing the Rockets, it was Duran is the best player in the world. He's passed LeBron. He could win a championship on his own. To now, it's they don't even need him. And I just think that it's really interesting how the, the narrative has switched so much in terms of the wars don't seem as hated anymore because Duran's not playing. So kind of like, what's your whole opinion on this whole Durant thing in terms of the narrative? Do they need him? And and do you think that they could win a championship without him? I think they're so much more likable when he doesn't play because you kind of are brought back to the days, obviously pre-Durant, but when this team was constructed and put together without just the best player in the league joining them in free agency. But speaking to how the narrative can change, I mean, we see how highly everyone is speaking of Steph Curry right now. Like, not is he the best player in the world, but is he one of the top 10 players possibly of all time? And we see the way he impacts a game just with his gravity and stuff as a shooter. But if he goes out and has a poor finals, the narrative is going to shift to, oh, Steph Curry's overrated. The dude just averaged 36 and a yeah. half points in the Western Conference Finals, put up 36, 36, 37, 37. That, that's ridiculous. And he just hit 28 three-pointers in, ga- in four games. Like, you, you this yeah. dude is special in terms of being better without kevin durant that's that's crazy to me i like maybe they play better or they play harder or they play more inspired but in terms of just being better without probably the best scorer you can make the argument who's ever lived uh i think that's that's a reach but kevin durant i mean it sounds like he might not be back for the start of the finals. Let me just lay this out there for you. Let's say Golden State goes up, I don't know, 2-0 maybe, or 1-1, 2-1. Kevin Durant comes back. Basically, my point being, they were playing well in the finals without him. He comes back, and then all of a sudden, things start to turn south. That is Kevin Durant. That is a nightmare for Kevin Durant. Let me, let me ask you this. Do you think it's better for those who want to see Kevin Durant leave Golden State for them to win the championship or for them to fall short of winning the championship? I think they have to win. For for the people who are solely motivated by hoping that Durant leaves, because uh, I think if, that if they win, it'll be three in a row, obviously. He would have accomplished what he wanted to accomplish by going there, which is winning championships. And it kind of, I think I mentioned this before, which is, the LeBron effect of, hey, I gave it everything I got. I gave you everything. You know, we won three championships. It's, you know, I can leave now because there won't be that animosity towards a player for that unfinished business that we see a, a lot of times. And uh, if Durant is able to win three and then and then he decides to go to the Knicks, the the Clippers, or, or Brooklyn, I, I don't think anyone could blame him. But it's interesting that, that 
you bring up how the Warriors play differently because when you watch them, I think it's that they play more inspired by the fact that they all know that they have to do it together instead of having so many possessions where if, you know they can just throw to Durant and get a really good shot and take and taking possessions off that way offensively, but that they know that they all have to do it together. I think is a really big difference. Yeah, and Draymond Green probably the past two or three weeks. It has been some of my favorite basketball to watch. Just the how hard he plays. He's kind of stopped the complaining a little bit, so he's more bearable. Yeah. But just the intensity and the fire that he plays with, it is incredible. And it, it drained the life out of the Blazers. Like, Steph Curry had a great offensive series against Golden or against Portland. I think you can make the argument that Draymond Green was the most important player in that series. Just what he did from a defensive perspective, what he did distributing the ball, rebounding. I mean, he was playing the five for good portions of that game. I think Draymond Green's importance to, I mean, obviously Golden State in that series, but just over the course of this dynasty, I do not think it can be overstated. His effort level the past month has been inspirational. And... It seems like he really took it to heart the, I, I don't want to say challenges that, that people were giving him, but just the the idea that he was somehow falling off his game that, that we had seen peak Draymond before. And I really think that he took it to heart and said, you haven't seen the best of me yet. And he's going out and he's proving it that the Draymond that we were accustomed to in the 73 win season can still come out like that, that like that Draymond still exists not the one who shoots 15% from 3 and looks woefully out of shape but like the dude who can dominate in in the NBA like he can still dominate and i and it's really awesome to watch it's also it's also convenient for his sake that he's now eligible for a contract extension so he's playing so well at this opportune time for Draymond Green that he's going to be able to cash in on it yeah i mean you got to wonder if if his agent took him out to to Nobu <laughs> or, or they went for a walk on the beach or, or something, and, and he was like, look, look, Draymond, I love you, man, but I also love my 6% commission fee. And if you sign a, a Supermax, <laughs> that means I get a new house. So, uh, you know, pick this up a little bit. Yeah, 6% of about $180 million is a lot of money. Yeah, it, two econ majors here, and, and we can tell you that that is a yeah. lot of money. Yeah, this, that's over $10 million, I think, off the top of my head. But um, you get, definitely I mean, get some consumption smoothing. Shout out Carl Bulware. <laughs> yeah, so so we're gonna take a quick break right now, and when we come back, I want to give you my first first impressions of the free agency news that's that's breaking. So Kelly, I was scrolling through Twitter today as as I normally do, and I come across a report from Brian Windhorst of ESPN saying that LeBron has already reached out to Kawhi and Jimmy Butler. Besides the obvious fact that this is tampering, I don't understand two things. One, why he wants Jimmy Butler, because Jimmy comes across as nothing but a difficult teammate 
and someone who would just not fit well with LeBron on a lot of levels. And B, recruiting Kawhi must be the most difficult thing possible because the dude doesn't speak. Like, he doesn't have any emotion. So, so like, I'm just imagining LeBron FaceTiming Kawhi and talking about how great LA is and how the Lakers are awesome and how they how they could do it together. And just Kawhi just stone-faced, just looking back, and I'm like, cool, man. You know, and just giving him nothing. Like, I, I really wonder how the recruiting of Kawhi goes because, you know, from our relationship with Kawhi from the fan and from the media to, to players that he gives us nothing on the Jimmy Butler front. First of all, beggars can't be choosers. Like the, the cabin is bare out in LA right now. And if they strike out on the Anthony Davis sweepstakes, which it looks like they're not left with a whole ton of options. So I think offering Jimmy Butler a contract that they might feel a little uneasy about offering. Um, I, I definitely think that's in play in terms of the recruitment of Kawhi. That dude's different, man. I was reading something the other day. I was talking to my brother about this. Some billionaire in Toronto offered him a penthouse suite at the Four Seasons. That the the annual rent is upwards of a million dollars. It's like a, over a hundred thousand dollars a month. Offered it to him for free. Restaurants in Toronto are banding together to offer him free meals. So essentially, this dude would just you know pocket two hundred twenty million and bring it straight to the bank. I mean, they, they treat these guys like royalty and they make all this money and they don't have to pay for anything anyway. So it's, you know, they're living the life. But the recruitment of Kawhi is going to be interesting. I cannot see him with the Lakers, though. I think I think Kyrie would go to the Lakers before, Kyrie, or before Kawhi would. But the Lakers are in a tough spot. And I think if they strike out, which I, I don't think they will, but it's possible – this could be, you know, we could be winding down a road where is it possible LeBron is like, hey, Genie Bus, this this isn't working out. I, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Shit me out. I, I I think we need to go a lot farther before LeBron starts asking for a trade. But I I really just wonder. So Magic goes on first take, and he starts saying all these things about the Lakers and how Genie's taking all this advice from other people and. You know, Magic had to keep going to the movies on Sundays to do this job, and Palenka was stabbing him in the back, and all this crazy stuff. So, what do you think LeBron was thinking when he's sitting there saying, wait a minute, the, my president of basketball operations, the dude who sat down and basically convinced, you know, pushed me over the edge to sign with the Lakers, enjoys going to the movies so much on Sunday night with his wife that that he decided to quit to to go back to that? Like, this was the dude who was in trying to get Anthony Davis for me. Like, if I'm LeBron, I am mad right now. And I don't think he's channeling his anger into the right phone calls. Because Jimmy Butler, I just, I'm very down on, on Jimmy. I just don't think he's a superstar. I can't be, like, I don't think LeBron has the right to be mad when he went to a team that the prospects of winning were low to begin with. Like, granted, he was joining the team and he theoretically could turn just about any team into a playoff caliber team but to have you know these expectations of title or bust when you chose your destination and you decided on going to the lakers i just i don't feel i don't feel sympathy for him i I don't i mean yeah there's definitely better options out there than jimmy freaking butler but i just i don't i don't know lebron 
I feel like more players should be attracted to play with him. And I don't know if it's his style, if it's his persona, if it's, you know, we're never going to lose because of LeBron. So if we lose, it's because of the role players. And if we win, it's because of LeBron. I don't know if it's, you know, that. I think it's that one. Yeah. So I think, I, I think that's. I think it's that one where, yeah, where, where it's all these guys, especially, you know, I, I hate to keep harping on, on Jimmy, but you have all these superstars like, like Jimmy who are all stars in, in Jimmy's case who, you know, they, they want the glory th- themselves. They, they want their team. They, they want a chance to prove that they can do it with them being the guy. And if you go to play with LeBron, Kyrie learned this, Kevin Love learned this, Chris Bosh learned this, which is that when you guys win, LeBron gets all the glory. And when they lose, it's Kevin Love's fault. Kevin, it was Kevin Love's fault that they were losing when he was out with a broken arm. Like, like somehow, so I could definitely see how those guys would be hesitant to play for him. In terms of the, the magic point, if, if you sat down with me and said, here's my vision for how we're going to improve the team, and I'm asking you to trust me, and I'm going to do this, and we're going to compete, and then it turns out that magic doesn't do any of that, and his vision not only is poor, but like somehow he couldn't execute it to the way that he wanted it to, and and even and maybe he wasn't even that committed to it. I think LeBron should be rightfully really frustrated with the with the way that the Lakers are structurally organized from within right now. Yeah, it is a it's an absolute mess. And there was they hired Frank Vogel. He was clearly not their first option when Magic resigned. They kind of, I mean, he really gave the Lakers the opportunity to just clean house, start over, and they elected to just stick with Rob Palenka. While we've gone over this before, he's Kobe's agent. He can do no wrong in Lakerland. The dude has not had a good stretch as, as general manager. This is going to be a pivotal, pivotal next 12 months, really, for the Lakers franchise in terms of keeping LeBron happy. You have Brandon Ingram, who's coming off that DVT blood clot issue, whether he's healthy in terms of you can build around him moving forward or potentially using him as a trade chip, that's something to keep an eye on. I think if the Lakers head into next season without landing a significant star, and by that I mean Bradley Beal, Jimmy Butler, Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, there's going to be some heads rolling in L.A. because that's LeBron didn't come here. He didn't sign up for that. Yeah, because, I mean, LeBron's great. I think this is his 17th season, I want to say, coming up. And he'll be Mm -hmm. 35, 36. There aren't that many 35-year-olds who can dominate and take the physical toll that LeBron has his whole career. So either something has to change in in the way that he plays, and whether it's more load management or becoming a better perimeter shooter, or it's getting a, a... secondary player who can take the load off i i I really think Kyrie is going to end up in los angeles wow i just think that the writing's on the wall there um windhorst who knows who has the best connections i think to anyone in cleveland um he was saying that that the door is open and and they're exploring it i think it would take a lot for Kyrie to admit that but Kyrie's so weird that couldn't you see him running back to to LeBron yeah and I think he's we spoke of a lot of the guys who you know they won't really receive the credit if they win on a team with LeBron we I mean Kyrie hit one of the biggest shots in NBA history as LeBron's wingman I think Kyrie is a different dude like you said 
And he's one of those guys, obviously he would love the credit, who wouldn't? But he's he's been there, done that, and he's experienced it with LeBron. That's the other thing. I just I wish they hired Ty Lue, man. Like Frank Vogel, like great, great coach. I, I feel like we've talked about this before, but Ty Lue has won a championship. You know that he has the ability to win a championship with LeBron. I do not understand why they didn't just take that path and just go down that road. Wasn't it something about that Ty Lue didn't want Jason Kidd to be the, the lead assistant? Because it basically feels like the Lakers wanted Jason Kidd to be the head coach, but because of the external factor around Kidd between the domestic violence, the DUI, and all the other stuff, that like they didn't feel comfortable making him the head coach immediately. Wasn't it something like that with, with Ty Lue? Yeah, I, I think so. And the, the irony in that is that Ty Lue was brought on, like the Cavs wanted Ty Lue to be David Blatt's top assistant with the Cavs. And then we all know how that happened. David Black got fired midseason. Ty Lue takes over, leads Cleveland to their first championship in like 50 years. So Ty Lue is, is very familiar with how that could unfold. Yeah, maybe Ty Lue is smarter than, than we give him credit for. Yeah. But so speaking of, of guys who, get, who maybe don't get the credit that they truly deserve, Clay Thompson today was snubbed from, from the All-NBA teams and we were lucky enough to, to get his live reaction when uh, I think it was Anthony Slater of The Athletic was asking him a question at, at the Warriors shoot-around today. And he gave this huge eye roll. And, and I loved it. I loved everything about it because he's, because he's right. He's fundamentally right. There are not that many guards who are better than him. There's a reason why his team is still playing, and he's a huge reason for that. And it's a shame that he's not getting those 30 extra million dollars. Okay, so basically this snubbing, as you're calling it, he's now eligible to sign a five-year $191 million extension versus a five-year $221 million extension. So it basically cost him about $30 million, which is is not a small chunk of change. But you you call it a snub. Who who would you have dropped in favor of Clay Thompson? Uh, I'd probably take LeBron off just because he didn't play enough games. LeBron's a forward. So is Thompson. He's 6'7". He's considered a guard, though. So I mean, the ones he—it's are you taking? You'd have to take Kyrie, Dame, Russ, or Kemba off and add Clay. Those are your four options because he's not—he's not coming off for Steph or James Harden. Yeah, Kyrie, Kyrie. He—you're he, way too annoying. You are hurt, and you—you're frustrating. If, if you spend more time on, on Twitter talking about how the world's flat, you don't deserve to make an All NBA team. See, Kyrie. No one drives me more crazy than Kyrie, but. Kyrie was he's a top six guard in the NBA this year. Like you there's no if, denying him that. But if you're the considered the sole reason why your team didn't perform as up to expectations and like the guy that everyone hated on your team and everyone associated with rooting for your team is like, God, I can't wait for this dude to leave. And they're all volunteering to help pack his bags, like how are you rewarded for that? I, I mean, I think it's the easy thing and everyone's doing it to just bash on Kyrie. The dude, he averaged like 22 5 and 5 like i'm not sure like granted he wasn't great for team morale and team chemistry but it's not like he's a bad basketball player clay thompson the dude literally stands in a corner and he defends his nuts off but he just gets wide open three after three because everyone is paying attention to steph curry and kevin durant and draymond green's doing that high pick and roll driving to the basket kicking out to clay for three the dude gets so many open looks and i'm not saying he wouldn't do well in like another NBA ecosystem but I think given the circumstances and just I mean are you gonna Kemba Kemba's not coming off Kemba was 
I don't like giving all NBA spots to guys who didn't even make the playoffs. So I'll give you that, that maybe, maybe Kemba shouldn't have made it. But in terms of who had a better individual season, taking out their team circumstance, Kemba Walker had a better season than Clay Thompson. Okay. But you know, it's also because Kemba's the guy on his team and you know, is it Clay Thompson's fault that they also have Steph Curry? And is it Clay Thompson's fault that they signed Kevin Durant? You know, he can only do what he can in the situation he's in. He guards the other team's best player every single night. He's the one guarding the best point guards. He's the one guarding Russ. He's the one, you know, guarding Kyrie when they play each other. He's the one guarding Dame that that whole series. And you talk about he gets wide open threes. He's not that open, okay? It's it's not like shooting practice. Uh, so, so, some of them are, yeah, I'll give you that. Some of them are really impressive and dudes are on him like a blanket. But, I mean, I would even consider... Bradley Beal's team didn't make the playoffs, but I think Bradley Beal had a better season than Klay Thompson. I, I think Klay Thompson, it's funny because he was, not funny, but we, we saw his reaction, and that was, I mean, selfishly kind of funny. That was great. Even though it co- that was great. Cost him thir- $30 million. It's funny to us, <laughs> not very funny to him. But, uh, I mean, it's, I, I don't know. I just think, it, how, many, how many dudes can you really reward from the same team on All-NBA? I know they're a great team, an all-time historically great team. But I'm I'm fine spreading the love around a little bit. I mean, they're the best basketball team since maybe ever. I mean, maybe one of those Jordan teams. There's just I want you have to reward greatness. And if this dude has made the finals five years in a row, he can make thirteen all NBA over dudes who didn't make the playoffs. Or dudes who are the sole reasons why their teams were not very good this year. I was just kind of so you you were saying they're probably one of the greatest teams of all time, and this thought just trickled through my head going back to LeBron. You know, I'm a huge LeBron guy. Yeah, his greatest achievement in 2016, beating Golden State, you could also make the argument led to his demise. Kevin Durant joins them, and then he gets run out of town. You, if he loses that championship. I don't think Kevin Durant can go to Golden State, and you could make the argument that the Cavs would have won the two titles after that, and who knows what would have happened to LeBron. I, I always hate playing this game of of, the, of, of if this dude did, did this or if this dude didn't do that. Because, okay, so if, if Durant goes to Boston instead, does do the Cavs still make the finals? Valid point. So, because that, that, I think that was, if I remember correctly, if he was going to leave, that was his second choice because it was always OKC or Golden State. If, if he wasn't going to go to Golden State, it was going to be Boston or, or OKC. So, and also, you know, to go back to that season, Clay Thompson was the reason why they were even in that position anyway. No, that's fair. So I'll give him third team all NBA for changing the, the NBA landscape for a whole decade, albeit three years later. And the two other huge financial ramifications from the all nba awards because Giannis was voted to a first team in what will have been at least two out of three seasons next summer listen to this drum roll please he can sign for five years 247 million dollars basketball is now turning into baseball hot take underpaid under oh man underpaid i don't know about that but kemba also kemba is now eligible to sign for five years, $221 million if he were to stay in Charlotte. If he were to elect to leave, rumors have had him headed to New York, he would only, I say only, be eligible to sign for four years, $140 million. So he'd essentially be costing himself 
it's it's eighty million dollars, but I mean it's also one less year. So you figure he'd be able to earn something in that fifth year if he's not just totally washed when he's say thirty three. But I, I think that's hard for a player to toss to turn down. Like you can't. How are you going to turn away from two hundred twenty million? I, I just I cannot envision someone turning down eighty million dollars. I would just take the money, and if you're unhappy in Charlotte, you can get you can get traded later. Worry about that later. Secure the money now. Yeah, this is this is the econ majors in us talking. But also, if he if he does come to the Knicks, there's there's so many taxes in New York between the city tax, state tax, federal tax, where that one forty will be even less. And, you know, last time I checked, Kelly, there is no one-year $80 million contracts in the NBA. So those don't exist yet. So as much as I think James Dolan wants a New York City guy, and even though I'm not sure Dolan has been to the Bronx in the last, like, 80 years of his of his life, even though he's only 50 or 60, uh, I can't I, – I mean, I would be surprised if Dolan has ever gone to the Bronx, where Kemba's from. Uh, when you talk about the numbers – I think it comes down to whether Kemba thinks that he just, if he thinks he can kind of win in, in Charlotte and make the playoffs and, and get another guy or, you know, it's not like what you were saying with Thompson where it's $30 million where for these guys, it's, it's a lot of money, but relatively speaking in the NBA, it's, it's really not that much. $80 million is still a lot in the NBA. So I think Kemba's going to have to have a long, hard talk with his agent and his family and, figure out what's what's best for him because as much as i would love to see him in in new york rocking the blue and orange for for the knicks 80 million bucks is 80 million bucks dude i agree with you and i think that's so hard to turn down but on the flip side there's something to be said about playing a meaningful basketball games yeah the dude's right in charlotte i don't he's never made it out of the first round if you're telling me he can go let's just say hypothetically the Knicks land Kevin Durant are unable to get Kyrie Irving trade for Anthony Davis. I know there's a lot of moving pieces there, but essentially what I'm saying is the rumored trio of Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis in New York. If Kyrie Irving flakes, which is possible given his personality and that missing ingredient that Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis want is a guy like Kemba Walker. I think that's incredibly hard to turn down even with the $80 million on the table. Hot take, Kemba's a better fit than Kyrie in that situation. And I think that would be a, a great fit. And I think that team is the favorites to come out of, out of the East. It's a lot of moving pieces. It's a lot of moving pieces, as you said. But basically, all, all you need to happen is that Katie leaves. So that's just one signing. And Kemba signing. And then it's just, you know, the hardest thing is what do the Pelicans want to do with Davis? So I think that team could come together in February assuming R.J. Barrett and Kevin Knox and Mitchell Robinson don't like fall off a cliff during their second season as respective rookie season for Barrett. Because I think that's a deal that as this, as the year goes on, if Davis is proving that he doesn't want to play with Zion or be in New Orleans anymore, that the Knicks, I think, and I don't want to sound too much like a homer, they have one of the two or three best packages for, for Davis now. I think when you take everything into account, I, I still think the Lakers offer would trump theirs, but I, I don't think the, the Pelicans want to send him to L.A. And I think that's could be negligence on their part. I think you send the, him to the team that offers you the best package. But if I had to guess right now, I think Anthony Davis either continues to shoot up for the Pelicans and see they see how that 
test works with Zion for a little bit, and they can always trade him in February. Or I think he does go to New York, so I think you're right on that one. Here's my, here's my Anthony Davis question that I've been thinking about, and I want to get, get your opinion on. I, I can't remember if, if we've talked about this before. We might have. Let's say, <laughs> let's say Philly says, Jimmy, we love you, but you know it's time for a change. And so Jimmy's gone. Jimmy goes to, like, Miami. And they say, Tobias, we like you. We're, we want you to come, come back. And Tobias signs a, a nice contract there. So you got Tobias, Simmons, and Bede. And, you know, Simmons just broke up with Kendall Jenner. They don't think his head's in the right spot. They might be getting back together. They're going to break up again. This whole Kardashian drama. And they say, you know what? Call up, call up David Griffin. Elton Brand goes, David, Simmons for Davis thoughts and i think david griffin might say yes i think in today's nba you'd have to bet that either zion or simmons turns into a competent jump shooter i think zion's more likely than simmons but i'm i agree that i do not like the fit of Embiid and simmons in philadelphia because ben simmons is at his best when there are four shooters around him spacing the full floor and Joel Embiid is at his best when his back is to the basket, his ass is on the block, and he's just posting dudes up. Those things cannot coexist. Just they, 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 they can't coexist. So one has to go, and given the unique talent that Joel Embiid is, and the fact, I mean, he's 25 or 26, but he's really in like a 31 or 32-year-old's body. The dude is not going to hold up long term. I think you have to make a push to go for it now. I don't hate that trade if I'm the Sixers. I think an Embiid and Davis front court pairing, good freaking luck guarding that. And, you know, this may be crazy talk by me because it's, you know, past midnight now. I think Anthony Davis might be able to guard, uh, that he might be able to guard Giannis. Oh, definitely. That's it. I think that's probably the prototype of the type of guy you'd love to guard Giannis a guy with length, the guy that can move laterally. There's not many guys Giannis's size that can move similarly to Giannis. I think Anthony Davis is one of those guys. So I, I think that they could spin this to, to Sixers fans, as I know our, our boy Leo is going to be listening to this. I think you spin this as basically, hey, we need someone to stop Giannis. We don't think Simmons is the guy. Spin? I don't really think the Sixers fans would – this would have to be spun to them. I think if you trade Joel Embiid, the process, you would have maybe riots in Philly. But I think Philly fans are getting upset like – many fans are i know i sometimes get disturbed watching ben simmons just it's not even the fact that he doesn't like make jump shots the dude doesn't even take them he had not one not two he's had three off seasons if you include going into his rookie year to work on his jump shot since he left lsu dude hasn't it doesn't even look like he's practiced when ben simmons goes into a gym and works out what does he do like, what, I'm honestly asking you, what do you think Ben Simmons does when he gets a basketball workout in? Because shooting is not included. I think he does some buys and tries. Dude's got jacked arms, so he spends a lot of time in the weight room. But I think he dunks a few times. I'm sure he does a lot of passing drills. And I'm sure he shoots, but, like, you know, I think he hangs out, I think he hangs out with Kendall. So maybe now that they're not in a relationship anymore, he'll be able to, you know, focus on jumpers yeah I, I guess i guess game of thrones is over what are you doing these days Ugh, i mean 
you know, I'm still I'm still dealing with the with the aftermath of of Game of Thrones. You know, my man John, my man John made it out okay, but he had to do some uh, some stabbing in the heart of of some family members. You know, we would do a spoiler alert, but it's been a week and it's you know the greatest show ever, so there's no spoiler alerts. You know, John stabs Danny. Uh, Drogon destroys the Iron Throne because the Iron Throne is what really killed Danny. John just delivered the final blow. I was okay with the ending for the most part. I was I was more upset with uh, just the storytelling that they got to that point. But in terms of how they ended it with the with the storytelling that that they had, I thought it was fine. I thought it was solid. Uh, you know, Brand Brand's you know the king, and I guess that makes sense. Uh, Tyrion's just a survivor, man. And I know you don't understand this, but the people understand. Um, and what am I doing from here is is a great question. Uh, I'm I'm looking for a new show. Jordan's here trying to get me to watch Chernobyl, and you know I think I'm going to give that a shot. Have you seen you? I've heard. I've heard a lot of people have have told me about about you. You got you got to check it out. You got to check it out. That's the that, uh, Netflix thing, right? With the Gossip Girl guy. Uh, I think he's the Gossip Girl guy. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I I was reluctant to watch it. Watched about the first ten minutes, and it's ten episodes, and I probably watched it over three days. It was incredible. Wow. Well, if it's got the the, the Kelly Hogan stamp of approval, oh, it's a must watch. It's GM. A, it's a must watch. The GM of the Big X putting together. You know, you know. I hate to say it because this might be a cold take by now. You know, is the Big X the best roster in the TBT? We're going to have to have Harry Rafferty on and maybe some of his teammates on the Big X to discuss yeah. our tournament Palo this summer. Ball. Yeah, we got, we, got, ball. we got a squad of 10 guys. We put together a squad of 10 guys. We play the weekend of July 19th to the 21st in Columbus. And we're coming for the bag. $2 million, man. We are coming for the prize. We are not here to play games. Jordan Sears, his brother Justin's on the team. Harry Rafferty. We got some coaches. We got Andrew Dockage, Duncan Robinson, hopefully Karis LeVert. Yeah, I mean, Dockage coached in the NCAA tournament right, right this year as a grad assistant with Ohio State. So I don't know if any other teams have a have coaches who have coached in the big dance before. So I think that's a clear advantage for, for the big X. You got Duncan and maybe Karis. Those are two dudes who, you know, have played meaningful minutes in the NBA. I, I don't know if any other coaches have, have done that either. It's just all signs are pointing to, to big X. Do you buy the plane ticket? I have not bought my flight yet, but uh, yeah, we have elite level X's and O's. And now that we've got the rosters put together, it's time to, uh, you know, hit the ground running with the playbook. We're going to be watching some film over the next couple of weeks, putting some sets together. So when we get together about 12 hours before our first game, we'll have some things to go over. <laughs> Last question for you. As a, as a GM, are, are you the Billy Bean type who doesn't watch any of the games and stays far away? Or are you the Theo Epstein type who, who's, who's in the front row? Oh, I'm in the front row. I'm all hands on deck. You know, palms are going to be sweating a little bit, going to be nervous. But, um, you know, my, my mindset in this has just been, you know, let's, let's accumulate as much talent as possible and we'll figure out the fit later. Love it. So, you know, we're just stacking talent on talent. Love it. Got Jay Sean Tate, big pickup today, hoping to sign his teammate Paris Lee as well. Dude just won MVP of the Belgium League. 
looking forward to to that. And uh, Dave, I don't I don't know what you have going on that weekend, but if you want to come out, you might have to come out and join us. We can uh, we can pod from out there. Uh, I would like to make it official with the NCAA that I am not involved in any way with the winnings <laughs> or the organization. I, I I I love my eligibility. I love being a college athlete. Uh, I'm a fan of the team, and I have nothing to do with the team at all. So, Mark Emmert, I know you're listening very carefully. All the com- all the compliance people, uh, don't make me ineligible, please. I love what I do at Wesley, and it. I have no involvement or with any of the recruiting or any of the money. Nothing. We're keeping it clean out here. Keeping it clean on the double-double. Yeah, for sure. That'll do it for the double-double. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you wouldn't mind, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Five stars would be much appreciated. You can also be found on Spotify and SoundCloud. If you have any feedback for the show, good, bad, or indifferent, please, please leave us an email. Our email account is doubledouble402 at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter account. We can be reached at dbl underscore dbl podcast. We would love to hear any thoughts or feedback you have on our show. Thanks again for listening. Take care and make it a great day.